Life is back on, sports bettors, and BetUS has your NBA, NHL, NBA, UFC, PGA, and yes, NFL betting lines up for their 27th year and live betting on all of it. Log in to BETUS.com or call 800-792-3887. That's 800-79-BETUS. BETUS for 125% bonuses with the promo code the Zone 125 You bet, you win, you get paid. BETUS.com like angel singing will be this i can already hear it right now is the marching band when they walk around the red zone madison on saturday and we hear a little something a little ditty that goes like this it'll be me rowdy rj young ben kenny will come in We'll be there doing the Zone Blitz pregame bash outside in the beautiful beer garden of Red Zone Madison, drinking plenty of Coors Light. And it will be the marching band playing. Some old man will come up to me, demand that I turn the music off, when I'll be like, old man, that's the DJ playing inside. Go take your qualms up with him as we are doing sports talk radio. He'll get butt hurt and then walk away. And then we'll continue to talk about Wisconsin football as the band plays. And that means we'll be leading up to kickoff of Penn State coming to the camp to take on Wisconsin. I would say the one thing with Penn yeah. State coming in that is unusual, normally that first kickoff, though, I feel like as of late has been later. It's like 11.05? No, no, no. I'm saying like uh, a lot of times lately when oh, we had oh, pregames, yeah, 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 the yeah. games themselves were later. Correct, correct. So you, so you weren't all of a sudden there at, well, I guess – turn up the mics and we're on air at nine <laughs> normally it was like a nice afternoon or even there had been some night games mixed in there 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 was and, and there those was. were the ones that definitely became the most dangerous the yeah. most the most wild card ish so eastern michigan is the only night game this year and yeah I, even notre dame's an 11 o'clock yeah. kick eastern michigan will get dangerous because of the night game but here's what i'm thinking we didn't have this last year there, yeah. You couldn't tailgate last year. You couldn't. I mean, you could, but you couldn't do it how you normally do it. We didn't have this last year. I do believe that this coming Saturday is going to be quite dangerous for the liver. I am RJ. You coming? No, he's coming. You're coming, right? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Awesome. Uh, I didn't look at the weather well, report. Well, you didn't come last year. Yeah. What the hell? We were there. You're right. <laughs> uh, let's see here. Saturday. Oh, looking at a 40% chance of rain, but a high of 77. I'm sure that will clear up. Boys, it's going to be beautiful drinking weather. Beautiful football yeah, weather. 77 after this past few weeks. Yeah, last week was brutal, dude. Ooh. That was swamp-ass central. It hurt. So leading into this game here, Saturday, Big Ten football did kick off, though. Week zero. What We just saw Saturday, yeah. last Saturday. Right. And it was... RJ, I think, watched the whole game. I did. I watched once Jordan Love exited the game for the Packers. I then flipped over to Illinois, Brett Bielema, hosting the Nebraska Cornhuskers, Scott Frost. Scott Frost afterwards described it as seeing the same movie over and over again. And that movie went straight to DVD a long time ago because Illinois totally obliterated the Nebraska Cornhuskers (laughs) in Brett Bielema's return to Big Ten action. It was... Hilarious. RJ. RJ. Nebraska's bad. Like bad, bad. Oh yeah. I mean Or I, is Illinois good? <laughs> Nebraska's bad. I, I bad. don't think I think Illinois is better than people thought they were or are. 
I mean, they had, 40, hey, ben Kenny, they had 41 seniors. Ben Kenny back. laughed at me when we were going through the season win totals for the Big Ten teams. And when I said over three and a half for Illinois, that was a hell of a start on yeah. Saturday. Yes, I yes, mean, it was. You got that three wasn't more even to go. one that I expected right. to be a win. Uh that but, was that was like abysmal, abysmally bad for Nebraska. Yeah, uh, they suck. But I mean, you look at last year. Practically the same Illinois team beat Nebraska last year, and Nebraska had more people leave. Scott Frost still believes that this team can be something special this year. Scott Frost believes this team <laughs> is galvanized and ready to play. Scott Frost believes Adrian Martinez is a Heisman candidate. Probably too. Well, there's a lot of definitions for the word special when you're using it, and he could be right. This team could be special. It could be one of the worst Nebraska teams. It was bad. Like it was it was bad. Listen, I kind of felt I kind of felt good. I'm, I can't believe I'm gonna say this. I kind of felt good for Brett Bielema getting a win. Like I thought I thought I thought good for him. Kinda. I said this in our DM, and I know me and RJ will go back and forth about this, but Brett Bielema, I don't think, ever <laughs> fully got the credit of how good of a job he actually did taking the reins from Barry. Now Alvarez. RJ was there in the Brett Bielema years. Uh yeah. You were there. You were a football manager while Bielema was there. Mm-hmm. Rowdy says Bielema, and I when, when I saw this kind of like go down in the DM group, I'm like all right, I know RJ's going to have his say, and RJ's going to have his say. Or Nelly's going to have his say, and RJ will have his. But I know that for a fact that Rowdy was not in the locker room. I know for a fact you were in the locker room. Now, Rowdy does have some point. I think Brett Bielema gets a lot of – he's a, he's a guy, to, fun guy to make fun of and, and you know, poke because he's like the Pillsbury Doughboy on steroids. Well, at the time here, he, he really wasn't. <laughs> no, he was a he was a decently good shape yeah. here. It just all it, went downhill it, 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 down, once he became head coach. Real quick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's he, when the food became more prevalent. Well, so you know you're the getting alcohol, paid good. So did the <laughs> the off the field stuff. When you get when you you know when a guy or girl's getting paid good, they start getting a little bigger. Yeah, but still well, I mean, more guys I'd say. He still got all the free food he wanted here too. <laughs> yeah, now he just got he's like now he had a bigger pocketbook so he could go, you know, maybe go to the nicer establishment and be like, instead of one steak, I'll have two. <laughs> I like how you went back in history if you look over the course of history people that have been wealthier over time are always heavier because they're eating well hey. well brett bielema he cashed in at wisconsin and he never looked back no he just said and he went south it was the it, fried food that really got him. that really got him but, but yeah when he I when, kind of fine, when they got the win and he had his hands raised up and that shirt he could use another size because that that gut was still sticking out from under that long i think shirt. no matter what like he could be wearing a freaking tarp rowdy and that gut's still gonna be hanging around that I didn't. I kind of felt good God for Bielema. Bless Jen Bielema. Yeah, she must be getting paid a lot of money to be in that relationship. RJ, I so, think Arkansas I mean, is still she, paying him, aren't they? And the Patriots still did, had to pay him. Did yeah, the Patriots did, yeah. did he win that? Uh, I, I think so. Yeah, the court case. Court. I, I thought he um, won. But I know he won against Arkansas because remember Arkansas was all pissy about how they had to continue to pay him because they obviously got rid of him early. But that's just the contract you gave him. Well, they they were upset because the Patriots woefully underpaid him for his position. Well, they, they they know what just they're, to, to stick it to to Arkansas. Well, yeah, I think Bill was like, "Hey, if you pay me this amount of money, then I'll actually get a bigger buyout from Arkansas." So let's kind of collude on and this. They have to pay me. So. <laughs> Listen, real quick. I didn't want to spend a whole yeah, segment win-win on win-win for the the Patriots and for Brett. So <laughs> Nelly says that Brett Bielema never got the the. No, I'm saying I'm saying full credit. Like obviously you have to give him credit because he was a pretty 
they did go to Rose Bowls, they were pretty good. They didn't win one, but I mean, it's been a while since they won a Rose Bowl. Uh, but I feel like a lot of people just crapped on him because of how the, some of the comments he made when he was leaving and once he got to Arkansas about Wisconsin. But while he was there, I think that's been understated. It's and, been undersold. And RJ, I know we've had this conversation before, but RJ, then you would say Brett Bielema kind of uh... – I mean – you give him some credit because, yeah, you're the head, you were of, there. You're you the were head there of all this. But he wasn't the one calling plays on offense or defense. And uh, when he did, he called a pass play on a two-point conversion in the Rose Bowl when John Clay was gaining four yards a carry. Oh, John Clay. Um, John Clay. He's the one who started meddling and telling Mike Hankowitz, you got to change your defense up, even though the defense was not a problem. Yeah. So Mike Hankowitz said, yeah, I'm going to go to Northwestern. We'll see you later. And for the most part, held Paul Christ's offense in check. Yeah. Uh, so, um, and then well, the defense took a little bit of a hit. Uh, it became a very predictable defense when Hankowitz <laughs> left. I mean, y- you were running the Badger defense, a 3-4 on third and long, and... Nobody knew their coverages. Yeah, this still um, haunts. This still haunts the dreams of RJ. Yeah, as it should. I mean, as it should. See, I think part of it though is if you're going to be a good coach and especially head coach, you also have to surround yourself with good coaches, and he definitely did that. Yeah, that's right. right. And then he went right to the we don't pay enough, and I'm losing guys. You lost guys who are position coaches who left to go be coordinators. Who did you who you did lost you have coordinators more, to go be head coaches? Who did you have more confidence in though when they were coming in? Brett Bielema being a guy that was never a head coach or Gary Anderson, a guy that was successful choice. but successful at a small division 1 college from the Mountain West. Bielema because I mean Gary Anderson in my he return. He still injury. had the the players who were winning. He still had some of the staff that was winning. He still had Barry Alvarez in his back pocket if he needed to talk to him. He still had an athletic department that was willing to put money into the football program and get him uh, a wife. <laughs> uh, and the I mean, so I mean, there was enough there. I mean, you you look into what Anderson did, Ugh, and it's come on. And not at Wisconsin, but even before hey, Gary Wisconsin. Gary brought the defense for us. Right. That's all he did. Yeah. I mean, you set the offense back. He gave, he gave the, Joel Stive the well, yips. And RJ already said it. At times, Wisconsin was also already using a 3-4. They just exclusively went to it. Yeah, right. that's true. I'll never forget the day that when Gary Anderson just up and left or quit or Got fired, whatever the hell it was. He left. He left. There was this thing we had in the studio called, it said the Gary Anderson era. And I took that sign. I think, RJ, you're in here in the studio when I did, yeah, did I took the sign push. and I just dumped it right into the trash. <laughs> well, I'm like, good riddance. I know a lot of people say like the lost, the Badgers lost era was like the 70s and 80s. But I, in my my, my opinion, it's Gary Anderson <laughs> years. It's just the Gary Anderson years. He's terrible. It's, it's not even the, the, it's the. Is he still coaching? Is he? Yes. The, He's at Utah State. He's oh, he's, oh yeah, I thought yeah, he yeah. retired from there now. Yeah, I Did he? he was done. I thought he yeah, I thought he retired. Well, again. maybe he finally saw the writing on the wall. I thought he was still there. At least he was last year, wasn't he? Yeah, 
I think he retired and didn't want his uh, his bonus or his uh, yeah he, he said, like gave uh, back a bunch of his he's money. Like, yeah, I didn't do. Uh, a didn't good he do job. that at Oregon State? Yeah, 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 he did. So he did that at the last both. Yeah, he should give back money to Wisconsin. Too. I mean, yeah, I know retroactively <laughs> as, as well. If he's on this charity, yeah, tour. I don't think he's coaching right now. I don't think he is. I think he's. Yeah, he had a second stint, well, and he's I think done. For both Bielma and Gary Anderson, there were a lot of people that were detractors on both of the hires. Yeah. Well, for different things. One, because it was a guy in Brett Bielema that was kind of an outsider at the time that was handpicked by Barry Alvarez. He was coming in from Iowa. Now, he yeah. had been there as a D coordinator, but he had never been a, a head coach. He wasn't necessarily a Wisconsin guy. Same could be said about Gary Anderson and the fact that he was coming from a Utah state. Yeah, but you can kind of see that in Bielema having played under Hayden Fry, who had most of the staff at Iowa at one point in time, Brett Bielema had then worked for, you know? So, like, uh, Snyder at Kansas State, where he was co-defensive coordinator. Um, and so it, it was under that Hayden Fry coaching tree, I guess you could say. So there was some familiarity, uh, familiarity there. It's Monday. It's Monday. It's fine. Um, I think most people you that the detractors are go with the, well, there was no search. There was no whatever. It was more the hiring process than the hire itself. Um, Cause I mean, wasn't Gary Anderson I, like the I'm, third I'm, choice? Yes. Yeah. Because Paul Christ was the first choice, but Pitt. Alvarez flat out said, I'm the one who sent him there. I can't really pull him away from Pitt. Yeah, and, yeah, and you can't. And well, Chris mean, didn't want to do it either, right? If I remember correctly, then Chris was like, oh, I don't want to turn my back on Pitt when I just went out right. there. Yeah. And then that's why the job was never offered. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, you know. Well, we got him back now, boys. Well, I think if you look at, so my Wisconsin, the very first game I ever remember watching for the Wisconsin Badgers was the game in which they beat UCLA in a Rose Bowl. That's my first memory of ever of Wisconsin football. And then the next memory after that. Be the 99 Rose Bowl. Yeah. And okay. then the next one after that was I remember a few games here and there of Ron Dane and oh, his Heisman Dane. season. And then basically from there is when it starts. Like a lot yeah. of my sport viewing where I actually remember following season after season is like 2000 to 2001. Yeah, I mean, you weren't around. There's a lot of old timers out there. There's a lot of old timers out there right now like, who is well, this young who is, kid? Who well, is what I'm saying is you have Barry Alvarez. You, who you do the, not know Jim Hillis and Don Morton. <laughs> at, at the very beginning of my viewing, they're winning Rose Bowls. Yeah. And then they, you had that afterwards. Brett Bielema came in, got them back to Rose Bowls. Now they didn't win one. Should have won the TCU one. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But then you had the Gary Anderson years, as I like to call them, and then <laughs> Paul I Chris. Like I, I think if you look at if you look at the last four coaches, you have Barry Alvarez being number one because he built the thing. Yeah. And then you have to put Paul Christ under him because Paul Christ, I think, gets the most out of his players. And then you go Brett. And then you have to go Brett. Bert. And then there's a huge gap, and then there's Gary Anderson. We we don't even we're no. I mean, I think we're just gonna throw him out. I think I would put Dave McLean up there. Uh, I mean, he's in the early '80s. He came from Ball State and really started turning Wisconsin around. Yeah, like to the point of if he didn't have a massive heart attack and and pass away, 
we might not know who Barry Alvarez is here. Yeah. All right, boys, uh, real quick, uh, pop a pick on Twitch says, Gary Anderson is the reason I give love, Jordan Love, the benefit of doubt in college. We'll talk Jordan We'll talk Jordan Love coming up. Hey, just look at that junior year number for Jordan Love versus the last year I think it's Gary, Gary Anderson. Anderson. We will, That's tough. We will have the return of Brett Bielema. Well, not the return, I guess, of, of in the Big Ten against Wisconsin as Wisconsin heads down to Champaign on October 9th to take on the Fighting Illini. That'll be very intriguing. Chris versus Bielema. Rowdy, you once described the NL East or said, look out for the Braves because they're going to be storming up and uh, taking that number one spot in the NL East. And I think the Mets were winning at that time, if I remember correctly. Yeah, that was when the Mets had a nice, comfy lead on the rest of the NL East. And that was when DeGrom was put on the IL with elbow issues. Yeah. And it was unclear exactly what the future had for Jacob deGrom. Is he still on track to come back and well, pitch? So he was uh, on track to come back and pitch. I believe it was in like late August, early September. Then he had a setback and was scratched. Then like a week later, they announced that Jacob deGrom was going to be done for the season, that they were just going to shut him down. And then like a week and after then, that, they're like, well, then. actually Jacob deGrom is going back on a rehab assignment. Uh, maybe they'll get him back by <laughs> Mid-September. It's and like, then, at this point, just give give it a rest. So like, the time that the Mets were first place in the NL East, and Rowdy said, well, look out for the Braves. They're going to come storming up. Well, young Ben Kenny, who, you know, the producer of the Bill Michaels show, filled in while I was gone, probably hear from him in the 9 o'clock hour, said his Phillies are going to do it. Well, right now the Braves are now first place, 70 and 59. The Phillies are second at 66 and 64. And the Mets have just been cratering out the past, like, what, Rowdy, month, two months? Yeah, and I just want it to be known that at that time, I believe when the Mets were in first, Phillies were extremely hot and just behind the Mets. The Braves were still like four or five games back. Yeah, they yeah. now have a four and a half game lead. Yeah. So the so right here for a, the last month or so, the Mets have been in a free fall. Uh, entering after entering the All Star break in first place, the team has lost twenty one of its last thirty games, fallen to third, seven and a half games back in the standings. And you would imagine Mets fans. Aren't happy about it. I don't. I don't see why you would be happy about it. The Mets. What do we know about the Mets? They're always looking like they're going to be pretty good, and then the season unfolds halfway through, seventy-five percent of the way through, and then and things just comically bad happen. Comically bad. Or another thing, I guess, for the Mets in the last decade is the fact that they have a lot of good arms. Yeah. And all of those said good arms get hurt. Yes. And, and yeah. oh, by the way, so we talked about Jacob Degrom. The other funny thing was Noah Syndergaard, one of their former. Um, all-stars, mm-hmm. one of their former huge names. He was a guy that's been hurt basically all year. And then when he tried to come back and do a rehab start just like a week or so ago, you know what happened to him? Tested positive for COVID. Oh, now he's on the shelf. Jeez. Well, here's the thing about the Mets. No setback for an injury, no, no. but COVID. The Mets COVID. actually got a rare win yesterday. They beat the Washington Nationals 9-4. to And in this game, it started making big-time news Apparently, they've been doing it all week, but yesterday was the big coming out party for the Mets and the thumbs down symbol, sign, whatever you want to call it, hand gesture from their players. The players waited during a 9-4 dispatching of the Nats. Multiple players were seen celebrating their big hits by throwing a thumbs down sign, the hand gesture, at their own fans. The Mets, when they would have a big hit, hit a home run like uh, Javier Baez did, as soon as Baez hit his home run, he looked at his home fans 
and gave them all the thumbs down as he trotted the bases. Why? Why? Because they were booing them. Because the Mets fans were booing their team, the Mets, as they were free-falling, cratering out. Now the Mets players are out there saying that they want to respond back to their own fans and show to them that they're a bunch of losers, not them, as they now give their own fans thumbs downs as they hit home runs or big hits. I don't think the Mets, Javi Baez, and the rest of the team could have come up with a worse thing to do to show just how much of a a team of losers they really are. This is like the lamest thing ever. Ever. It is beyond lame. Abayas doing the thumbs down celebration uh, said as a message to fans who have booed him and others. Quote, in my case, they got to be better. It's just how I feel. I love the fans. I like playing for the fans, but we can't have our fans against us. You guys lost, what was it? They lost 21 of their last 30 games from first place to third place, and they think that their fans... Their fans shouldn't have anything to say or boo or tell them that they suck. Yeah, they're soft as hell. They're the, yeah. This is the softest team in baseball, the New York Mets. Wipe their bottom and tell them they're special. And different and better than everyone else. Love them or hate them. Ryan Braun was obviously booed quite a bit, especially after all of the, you know, the positive tests and the suspensions for PEDs. Yeah. But no matter what, you have to say that even when he was getting booed, he, that was some of his best performances, yeah. and when he swung the bat the best and was the clutchest. Took it in stride and didn't uh, clap back at yeah, the 100%. 100%. Ryan Braun, you could say whether he was in Philly, whether he, he was at Wrigley, it didn't matter where he was at. Motivation. When he got booed more, he seemed to play even better. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you actually, no matter how you feel about Braun, you have to respect him for that. And but this is just so lame. It's so soft. It's, it's the so lamest weak. thing ever, dude. It's beyond weak. You you lost twenty one of thirty games. Your fans and rightfully so, while you're in first place, had your back, and now you've started free falling. They are booing you because you stink. Then they trade away like half their team too. They stink. Well, I mean, the owner's a huge douche, but I mean, he, he was even <laughs> he criticizing is. the team. He was yeah, hilarious. Yeah. The the owner came out to say in a post game press conference yesterday. Um, he said that um, no, it was the Mets president actually, Sandy Alderson, was strongly against what the players were doing and said he would have a meeting with them directly. Uh, in a post game press conference, well, the owner called him out on Twitter. Yeah, Cohen, like, yeah. a week or so ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he stated that the thumbs down gesture during the game was a message to fans who recently have booed him and other players. These comments and any gestures by him or other players with a similar intent are totally unacceptable and will not be tolerated. Mets fans are understandably frustrated over the team's recent performance. The players in the organization are equally frustrated, but fans at City Field have every right to express their own disappointment. Booing is every fan's right. <laughs> And but now the players look at their fans and give them the thumbs that's, down. That's literally part of the job description. Mm-hmm. Is you're going to be cheered and you're going to be booed. And if you can't mentally, I guess, deal with that, then I think you should find a new profession. And it's going to be pretty hard to find a profession that pays you as well as the one you're currently at. Well, here's the thing. Yeah. That's like, well, uh, what did we learn about COVID last year when they, everything was shut down? If the fans like do the ultimate protest and say, well, I'm not even going to come at all. I'm not going to buy any tickets, and they just boycott the team. We did find out last year that if there were no fans in the stands, that the league could last. Players could be paid for at least three years out. Yeah. So even if they do boycott, there should be three years of them giving them thumbs down to themselves because yeah. they stink. Let's go to the phones. Line one, welcome to the show. Who's this? It's Brenda. Hey, Brenda, what's up? 
hey, you know, I'm like, hey, so I got a solution for the Mets players. Yeah. We can give them, we can give them participation trophies. <laughs> I was going to say, two, take two weeks off and quit. Well, that too, but, you know, the per- participation trophy, you know, the little trophy that says, thanks for playing this year, you know. Yeah, they stink. Brenda, could you imagine, like, the Brewers, you know, outside of these past handful of years when the Brewers have been bad, like, we're there. Let's say, was it 2014 when the Brewers were up, one of the best teams in the majors? And yeah, they had a free fall? for the first, like, two oh, and a half yeah, months. Oh, yeah, big time. They, they free fall Could you imagine, time, like, so. they're free falling, they miss the playoffs, you're booing them, then the next game out, you're there in attendance again because you're there supporting the team. And, you know, you're booing them just because of how bad they were that year. And then they come out and give you a thumbs down after they win? Oh, my God, I'd be, just, oh, I'd be sick. Yeah, that wouldn't, that wouldn't fly. We would have a lot of beer abuse going on. <laughs> Brenda, good things though about the Brewers. How are we feeling? How are we feeling about the crew, Brenda? Um, good. I'm kind of disappointed that they let two, you know, two of the games go against the Twins, but that was a little frustrating. They should have at least taken two out of those three, but you know, hey. First pitch it tonight. Is what it is. First pitch. It is what it is. First pitch tonight, eight forty-five p.m. Central Time. Brenda, you're gonna be uh, up watching it till about twelve thirty, one o'clock. I probably will fall asleep for the game, to be honest with you. I mean, you know, I'd like to say I could stay awake, but I also got to work tomorrow this morning. So, you know. Rowdy will give us, Rowdy will stay for the whole thing. He'll give us a full report. But I will see you guys on Friday. Oh, my God. You will? Mm hmm. Uh, we don't even know where we're going to be yet, Brenda. So, like, you'll come, though? You know where you are on Friday. Are you talking, what are you talking about? Your tailgate on Saturday? Yeah. No, Friday. What's Friday? Aren't you going? Oh, no, you're not. What? Oh, oh, Brenda. Friday? No, no, we're no, we're not, Brenda. You're not, Brenda. Here's the thing. We. Oh my God, this is so funny. <laughs> we we were trying forever to get a Brewers bus trip, right? So we could have all of right. our everyone. So Rowdy and I were getting everything set up, and then all of a sudden, it was dropped on us that every Friday for Badger football season, we're going to be at a certain bar, uh, getting hyped up for that like bar of the week for the Badger game. So the Friday that is the bus trip you're referring to to American Family Field, we won't be on it. We'll be at a bar here in the Madison area. Well, that's. <laughs> I was totally like, oh, trust me, Rowdy and I have been through the emotions of this. Oh my gosh, now I'm just disappointed. Brenda, you'll have a great time without us. It'll be okay. Oh, I'm sure I will. It's a Brewers game, so I'm sure I will. But... I'll, I'll send you like pictures of Rowdy and I drinking beers, and you can like you can like look at it periodically throughout the game. My heart is completely broken now. You guys just broke my heart. Way to break, way to way, way to ruin my Monday. Well, it's not our fault. I'll I'll pass it along to management. Okay. Okay, Brenda, That's here's true. the thing. I love you, girl. I know. I love you. I'll send you those pictures of us drinking beer. I'll, we'll pop our shirts off and everything. You can you can look at it. Uh, well, that'll even disappoint me more. So. <laughs> <laughs> See you, Brenda. Bye. Bye. That even went over my head because I'm like, yeah, I'm like, what do you think? I'm like, Does what? she think that game is on Friday? <laughs> That's what I thought, too. I was really confused. Uh, let's go to line two. Welcome to the show. Who's this? Seeing you with your shirt off is like a uh, <sighs> six-pack drawn on a piece of paper nathan the brightest oh shano what's up baby it's also very pale it's like looking into the sun uh, it's it's very it, it burns my eyes i mean yes same i have to look at myself every day in the mirror it burns my eyes i mean unfortunately you didn't get to go hiking this past week but um <laughs> hopefully you did some motorboating because we know she couldn't run away from you well no comment i plead the fifth 
That's just that's a good thing. I mean, you want to stay married, right? <laughs> you know, I, I, the Mets. You know what really just irritates me with the Mets? I mean, the worst thing they could do is do the L on the forehead, I guess. But you know, no matter how good you are, you're still going to be like the second favorite team in New York. So knock it off. I mean, these people will pay your salary. Yeah, they're all losers. All kind of do what you want and whatever. I mean, the worst. I mean, nothing could be worse than the uh, Cubs a few years ago in September. That, that was that was just miserable. Mm. And uh, I see your hat, or whatever the hat that's supposed to be coming to you. That must have been thrown in the discount bin next to the Rizzo jerseys. <laughs> but uh, hey, so I went to the Donald Driver softball game here in Appleton last, past weekend. How was it? And like, I just had to laugh. Well, it was entertaining. I mean, James Jones got some money from Donald Driver for for him fronting him some runs, but. Uh, the part that really got me is in the play bill. It said, uh, Packers legend Craig Nall. So, <laughs> for a team and they're a legend. They're throwing like, that legend dude. pretty loosely lately, eh? I guess. I mean, it's like saying that I'm a radio legend. I was just going to say that. See, I beat you to it. <sighs> Nathan, always a pleasure, brother. You're, you're slow. You took a week off. I mean, so did I. Well, it's Monday, dude. Fun. It's Monday. Come on. <laughs> well, the show just seemed a little too serious. I just felt like I didn't fit in. Well, it was very, very educational last week. But I, okay, we need some educational. Now it's time to get dumb again, okay? Yeah. Nathan, you're Time to turn the PBS off. <laughs> See you, buddy. See ya. <laughs> educational last week, Rowdy. So when Nathan called in and he was talking about Craig Knoll, <laughs> Packers legend. Yeah. Uh, maybe it's just with a first name named Craig, they give out legendary status pretty easily. Craig Knoll, Craig, Craig Council, Council, Brewers legend, Packers legend. And the second thing I wanted to add to that Baez Mets saga. Yeah, because the Mets fans are now, or the Mets players are uh, giving the thumbs down gesture to their own fans when they win now. It's so weak. It's you're such, very weak. You're such a loser. And it makes sense though when you look at Javi Baez, obviously former Cub. But how can you how can you even think that way if you're a player on the Mets? Your front office and owner went out and. Paid Francisco Lindor, who sucked all season. <laughs> they went out and traded for Javier Baez, who has not played that well no. this season. They went out and added some depth to their pitching staff, and yet they're still sucking. <laughs> like they tried all they could actually to go out and get players that would better the team. Yeah. And on paper, they did get better, but the performance on the field has only gotten worse because they're a bunch of losers. They are a bunch of losers. Steve Cohen, the owner of the Mets, tweet, tweeted out yesterday, I missed the days when the biggest controversy was the black jerseys we wore. Now you have your own players giving the thumbs down to your own fans. But, I mean, wow. what is what is the old saying with, like, organizations? Like, it's normally top-down. Yes. And if you, if you have a loser at the top, the entire organization is losers. I mean, I'd have to agree with the Mets. Losers. Life is back on, sports bettors, and BetUS has your NBA, NHL, NBA, UFC, PGA, and yes, NFL betting lines up for their 27th year and live betting on all of it. Log in to BETUS.com or call 800-792-3887. That's 800-79-BETUS. BETUS for 125% bonuses with the promo code THEZONE125. You bet, you win, you get paid. BETUS.com. I missed this man on my staycation off a week away. Felt like years. Zach Heilpern, our sports director. What's up, Zach? I missed you. <laughs> missed you, too. Oh, missed oh, you, too. Oh. And, and, hey, you know what's amazing? You get to come back. 
Game week. I know. That's I'm so excited game about week. it, dude. Hey, speaking yes, of, uh, it's game week, but Big Ten football actually started Saturday. Ooh, Saturday. Well, <laughs> well, I was going to ask you about it. Saturday, Zach. I'm watching uh, Jordan Love and the Green Bay Packers get underway, and then you know I was kind of keeping tabs on you know Illinois versus Nebraska, and I was like, what's what's happening over here? So mm-hmm. then you know Love went out. Kirk Benkert came in. I'm like, you know, I'm going to flip over to see what the old Brett Bielema and his first game back in the Big Ten is doing against Scott Frost and the Nebraska Cornhuskers. And, oh, my God, Burt Bielema is taking it to the Cornhuskers. Zach, is Nebraska that bad or is Illinois good? Or what What am I looking What did I see with I Brett Bielema getting think, a win? Yeah, I think, I think right now I think it's pretty clear those two are the, the worst two teams in the Big Ten West. I don't think we necessarily need to see anybody else. Uh, it was it was not pretty for either team, but my goodness, uh, Scott Frost. Yikes! Yikes! yikes. Big yikes. I mean, the dude, yeah, I mean the, he's got the I don't know. You saw the graphic during the game. He's got the second worst winning percentage of any Nebraska head coach. Mm. So like they gave so they gave up on Bo Pelini after I think like seven straight nine win seasons. They go to Mike Riley. He's got he goes nineteen and nineteen, and mm. now they turn to Scott Frost because he was going to be the savior. Well, he won a national now, championship. Just look at his ring. Yes. Now I believe he's 12 and 21 in his uh, now four years at Nebraska. It was ugly. It was ugly and great for Brett Bielma. I don't think, you know, he did it with his backup quarterback. Didn't really do a ton offensively. Had a couple of big plays. Obviously, their defense scored, but yikes. Uh, yeah, that, I think that says a lot more about Nebraska than anything about Illinois. The funniest thing I saw was, uh, besides Nebraska, and Brett Bielma's gigantic gut, was your tweet saying Illinois is averaging 3.8 yards Oof. per carry, and they just said Nebraska fans are having flashbacks of the 2010 uh, Big Big Ten title game, Zach? I don't think that's the case, is it? No, and it was. I mean, it was like, yeah, oh, I think it's just hey, Brett Bielema, they ran a jet sweep, so they must be having flashbacks <laughs> of the time that, that Wisconsin put 539 yards on him and averaged over 10 yards a carry. Yes, very, very similar, Joe Davis. Good job, buddy. Mm. That guy, that guy, uh, clearly. Uh, just saw the score and didn't actually realize what Wisconsin did in that game. Yeah, I mean, again, Wisconsin never getting credit, but Zach, Wisconsin taking on Penn State Saturday at the camp. It's here, baby. We're going to be live at the Red Zone from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Would love to have you come down for one of those awesome interviews you love. I promise there'll be no touching, okay? Mm. And I'll offer you a drink. You'll say no, but I'll still offer. The the offer always stands for every you know Badger home game to give you a drink. You always say no. You're yep. responsible, Big J. We appreciate that. But Zach, when it comes to Rushing the football, as uh, the you know, were talking about, kind of the Wisconsin when Nebraska was getting housed by Illinois. What's the running back room looking like when it comes to Wisconsin leading up to Saturday? Are we going to have a concern with um, um, Berger, Jalen Berger? Oh, oh, Jalen Berger. No, I think he'll be good to go. He's he's dealing with uh, a knee condition, Osgood Schlatter's disease, but it's uh, you know it's not something that I think is going to limit him to to uh, on Saturday. Games. Yeah, right. Exactly, fifteen carries. No, but no, no. Uh, there, there was no carry limit for him, and there was it was you know there was no pitch count or anything okay. like that at all for sure. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then Ches Malusi uh, right there with him. Yeah, Ches Malusi, and I think the kind of wild card. You know, there's a couple wild cards, but I think the big wild card is Isaac Perendo. He had a really good camp, stayed healthy. He's easily there. He's the fat. He's the fastest guy on the team at 215 pounds, and. It was running 24 miles an hour at one point this off season, so I think he's a guy that could also very much, if he stays healthy, play into that. Uh, it's Penn State, you know, their defense, uh, their front seven has has some questions, and I think uh, Wisconsin's offensive line at this point that you know we'll get to talk 
with some of the guys later today, and, and we'll have a little bit clearer vision of exactly who's all going to be there. But I think they're going to have their the five that they want, meaning they're all healthy and ready to go. And so, yeah, I think Wisconsin's uh, run game is, is going to be a huge part of Saturday, as it usually is, but I think especially this Saturday, because I don't think Penn State's front seven is, is completely settled, and Wisconsin may be able to take advantage of that to, to start the year. Well, I want to talk a little bit about the Wisconsin wide receiver room uh, real quick, and obviously Graham Mertz, mm-hmm. but uh, give us a little bit of Penn State then. So they, you know, last year when everything was kind of shut down, it was Franklin saying, well, we're going to go no matter what. We believe we have a national championship caliber team. Even if 75% of the league can't go, we still want to play. What's Penn State, now obviously didn't live up to any of that last year. No. What's no. Penn State looking like, you know, coming into this season then, Zach? I guess you already alluded to week on the run yeah well so they, they went they uh started the season zero and five and then went on to win their their final four games um they fired they so they brought in a new offense coordinator last year they fired him after last year so they're their third <laughs> offense coordinator in three years and uh you know they have a senior quarterback in sean clifford who took a significant step back last year uh but they're expecting him to to be where um they're they're expecting him to be back to uh, to form, but we'll see. One of the best wide receivers in the Big Ten, and Jahan Dotson, and then their running game is, is going to be interesting. I, I know that there are some that believe their offensive line is going to be the best under James Franklin. They got a stable of backs. Um, for some reason, they call themselves Lawn Boys. I still can't figure it out. Um, but uh, the the big guy is Noah Kane, who missed much of last year, pretty much all but four plays of last year. And uh, so I think their running back, running game is going to be a test for Wisconsin. Um, but you know that offense has a ton of skill. It just didn't look very good, and you just wonder how quickly or how long it's going to take for them to get up to speed with the new offensive coordinator. Now, unlike last year, they didn't have a they had spring ball, so they got they had an opportunity to actually go through spring ball with a new OC and uh, typical summer and all that. So maybe they'll hit the ground running as opposed to last year. And their defense, as I said, I think they got some questions in the front seven and. Um, you know, we'll see how that plays out. So I was looking up into the Lawn Boys. They got the Lawn Boys chain. It started between two yeah. teammates. And, you know, Franklin was saying, quote, he he doesn't mind a little um, uh, controversy. Or what did he say? He what? doesn't mind a little uh, personality, I should say. Yeah. What, what does Paul Chris say about Lawn Chain? Uh, well, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of – he said, once turnover chain, my F and A. But I'm going to say <laughs> Lawn Boy chain, my effing A. So I think we'll yeah. be hearing that on Saturday. Hey, yeah. so – Zach Halpern, our sports director, joining us right now. Zach, when it comes to Danny Davis, is he going to be ready? Did he what? So is a head injury? I'm assuming is it a concussion? Well, what happened to Danny Davis, and will he be ready for Saturday? Still don't know exactly what happened to him. Uh, I'm going to be talking hopefully with him later today to figure that out. Uh, but Paul Chris said last week. Now this is last Tuesday, I think. He said that he expects him to be available, and uh, if he's talking today, it means he is healthy enough to be available so that's a that's a positive assuming he end up he does end up talking but yeah it was a head injury of some sort don't know if it was concussion gotcha i would you know you would seemingly think it was um you're not holding him out for unless they're just holding him out for a precaution and uh not not wanting to risk any further damage there because he's missed the last five games with a head in with a concussion last year so certainly has that history there and yeah we'll find out today but i i think he's going to be good to go i think you know, overall, I mean, if you look throughout their entire team, and we'll see the injury report today in, in, a, in a depth chart, but I think as of right now, uh, and they only practice, they haven't really practiced since last Tuesday, you know, in, ter- in terms of like significant practices, yeah. um, I think uh, they'll be as healthy as they could probably, you know, probably hope. All right, Zach, um, before I let you go, three questions, but I'll kind of be like quick ones, okay, brother? Mm. I just, I missed you so much, I got to get my questions in, you know? So, Zach, uh, the weak point, the. You know, something of concern entering the season for Wisconsin would be what? Their kicking game. I, <laughs> I mean, maybe that, maybe that's just maybe that's just uh, 
the thing you have to say every year because they're just so inconsistent uh, field goal kicking. I think they'll be fine punting, and you know the, the kick and punt return games will be what they are. But the, the kicking game would be the one I'm worried about. Jack Van Dyke missed a ton of fall camp with an injury, and you know Colin Larch is still there, and he's got he's pretty good from inside uh, 35, and not so good from outside of that. So. Hmm. Yeah, it's, kicking game would probably be my, my answer to that right now. The strongest point of the Wisconsin's game coming into Saturday? Mm, I'd probably say linebacking crew, right? Like Ooh. when you have two of the best inside linebackers, and you know, if, uh, in a combination with Leo Chanel and Jack Sanborn, I think you probably have two of the best inside linebackers in the country, and then you throw in some of the outside linebackers, Nick Herbig and Noah Burks and some of the guys behind him. I think that, that linebacking crew is as uh, strong as it's ever been. And Graham well, Hurts. Maybe, maybe, maybe that's a little bit much. Uh, it's 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 a really strong unit. I oh. forgot how good they. I forgot how good they were. We'll at, take at a linebacker. we'll take a strong unit. And Zach mm. Graham Mertz, better or worse than his first game uh, last year to start off Big Ten season. <laughs> it's going to be worse. It's going to be worse <laughs> than his big game. <laughs> I mean, well, the dude was a the dude was a drop pass away from a perfect from a perfect game. So, but yeah. I, in all seriousness, how's he how's he looking entering here? As I know there wasn't you know legit practices coming up here, but how's he looking so far? Yeah, I mean, I I think he's gonna have a I think he's gonna have a good year. Assuming everyone stays healthy and he's got some weapons on the outside and they're able to run the ball, I think Graham's gonna. I, it's not gonna be Illinois, but it's certainly not gonna be Northwestern Indiana. I think he's gonna show to be a, a pretty good quarterback. And um, Wisconsin's gonna. I'm not gonna say they're gonna go as far as him, but if they're gonna reach the upper echelons that they are hoping, and I think fans are hoping they can do this year, Graham's gonna have to be good, and I think he can. I can see the headline now. Best coverage for Wisconsin. Reporter Zach Heilprin says Graham Mertz will be worse than last year in first game back. <laughs> Don't and, worry, and Zach. That's that how I'll clip it. And I'm guessing, <laughs> and I'm guessing Nelson wrote that headline. <laughs> uh, jury's, um, jury's out on that one, Zach. <laughs> jury's out, yeah. <laughs> hey, Zach, a pleasure. I missed you, man. Good to, good to be back and good to hear your voice. I'll, hopefully I see your smiling mug around these halls, okay? Yep, I'll see you later, Dad. Nice to see you, brother. There he is. Zach Heilprin, our sports director. I think he forgets. Who uh, clips a lot of those sound bites? That would be one Rowdy Razor. One Nelly. I might have to do just that. No context. Unbelievable. Zach Heilprin says Grammar's worst will be worse than he was last year. And here's the little five second sound bite to go with it. (laughs) (laughs) The summer of love. The summer of love, my friends. Jordan Love and the Green Bay Packers. The preseason is over when it comes to meaningful games for Jordan Love, as we're all under the impression that Aaron Rodgers will indeed be the starter September 12th against the New Orleans Saints. But the summer of love that was, how did you feel about it? You have four options on the Twitter poll. I'm head over heels. Let's see where this leads. I'm ready for a new fling or a wasted summer. Rowdy? See where this leads at 64%. Wasted Summer is second. Ready for a new fling, 15%. And Head Over Heels last, 5%. I thought Jordan Love looked pretty decent. Minus that terrible interception. Yeah, I voted see where this leads. Because I sent out a tweet after watching that game on on Saturday afternoon. And this was the tweet. In a perfect world, this is my perfect world, Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers work something out. They make him the quarterback for two to four more years. But the more I see Jordan Love, the more I feel confident that he could be a solid NFL quarterback with more reps and experience. Yeah. 
Yeah. In a perfect world, you'd be able to draft and develop and keep your own players, says Ted Thompson. And that fits right along with the guys like Aaron Rodgers. Keep him as long as you can. And then if Jordan Love is waiting around, which I, if how long would Rodgers stay for if they worked it out? What'd you say for two to four years would be how long I'd want to be. I think for me personally, the, the longest I'd want to be married to Aaron Rodgers with a high amount of money would be through age 41. 41? Hmm. He turns 38. So would you just be, well, then Jordan Love would just have to wait around for a while? Like, Well, Jordan Love is in year two of his contract. Mm-hmm. And if you if you know the rules with the NFL, if you are a first-round pick, you have four years, and then a fifth year is the team option. Correct. So in theory, he's under contract for, if you're including this year, four more years. I got your ass for five more years. You mess with the bull, you get the horns. So I mean, in theory, you could had you could have had Aaron Rodgers play out three more seasons and then make a decision on Jordan Love's fifth year. Well, I think we're. It, does it still feel like we're going to see Rodgers say adieu after this year and head to what he maybe thinks is greener pastures? I don't know, but Jordan Love specifically, Rowdy. Uh, I had the stat a little earlier. I'll say it again, comparing Jordan Love's first preseason to Aaron Rodgers' first preseason. Jordan Love was twenty four thirty five. 271 yards, one tutty, one interception, which I don't know. He was trying trying to play hero ball against the Bills, whatever. And Aaron Rodgers' first preseason game uh, total, 20 for 37, worse than love. 172 yards, worse than love. One One touchdown and two interceptions, worse than love. I guess patience is a virtue. Well, let me just break down his preseason real quick. So he only played in two games. Two. First one was against the Texans. Which were terrible. the Texans were terrible. Pretty much everyone on that roster is competing for a job. Yep. And they played some starters. They played a lot of guys that were fringe guys. Well, the Green Bay Packers, we've already noted that pretty much every single game this preseason, they had 35 or so guys that didn't suit up that were guys that were mainstays on the roster. We saw that offensive line be very, very shaky in week one. Big time. Against the Texans, where Jordan Love really didn't have a ton of time. I thought you saw some nice plays from Jordan Love. He felt he seemed com- comfortable yeah, he, he in had the more, pocket. He had more good plays than bad plays. Yeah, and he felt com- comfortable in the pocket where he was being moved off of his off of his uh, points in the pocket and still looked pretty good. Mm-hmm. Now, granted, some of the throws he forced in there, but you're prone to make mistakes in preseason when you're trying new things and you haven't done it. You haven't played technically at that level. Yeah. I thought overall it was a thumbs up. Two thumbs up or just one thumb up? One thumb up. Okay. And then you he didn't play second preseason, bad shoulder. And then you look at the third preseason game against the Bills, which I want to preface this by saying Bears fans and a lot of the NFL fans are head over heels with Justin Fields, who... I thought was a good quarterback. I had him number two in this draft behind. I think everyone thinks Justin Fields is a good quarterback. And he's pretty much been the number two quarterback, like pretty much in his class all the way up because he's always been behind Trevor Lawrence. And it's always been him and Lawrence one, two, one, two for like forever. And I believe that to be true. And he looked really good in weeks one and three in preseason. But you know who he played week two? Who, Rowdy? The Buffalo Bills. And he really struggled against the Bills. And then you, you flip that. To Jordan Love's start against the Bills, he played pretty much the Bills' starting defense yeah, for the first half. The Bills played all their starters, essentially, and, for the first half. And the very first drive, they went right down the field. Jordan Love looked pretty damn good, in my mm-hmm. opinion. And they got a 
goal line stand by the Bills D where the Packers ran it three straight plays with A.J. Dillon. He got stopped on the one, and then they passed it on fourth down, and it goes off a receiver's yeah, hands. Yeah. That, that's possession one. Possession two, he leads the team right down inside the 25, and then on a play in which his right guard got blown off the ball, and then the tight end that was pulling around to block the opposite way gets knocked over. Mm. And to start the play, the receiver that came in motion tripped Jordan Love, (laughs) and he was falling. So for the fact that he got tripped to start the play, his right guard got blown off the line, which blew into the tight end that was supposed to pick up the end, and the end got basically a free release to him as he was falling away. Falling away. He made a a Brett Favre-esque type play where he forced it. He could have thrown it away. That's the easy, smart play, but he forced it. He was, well, one, athletic enough to stay on his feet, and then two, get the ball off while being hit, getting the ball off while he's tripping and completely off of his back foot, still yeah. throw the ball 40, 45 yards, yeah. I thought was, one, impressive arm strength. Two, it was a little Favre-esque because you're like, while the ball's in the air, you're like, no, 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 hoping someone would catch it. And then, of course, you're mad. But if someone would have caught it, you'd be like, oh, yeah. And then I guess you would say the third one, he drives them all the way back down inside the 10. And then Mason Crosby misses his first field goal in over a year. I thought overall... One thumbs up for first preseason game, one and a half thumbs up out of two for the third preseason game. And I thought the more I looked at him, the more I thought this guy's got the ability with more experience and reps. He could be a top 15, top 10 quarterback. And and I think in two years. Still going? Yeah. In two years. Let's turn the music up. You know, if Rodgers is obviously going to be the starter this year. But next year, I think he could come in. And if he continues to get some playing time in preseason, I wouldn't be surprised if he was top 15. Now, I was actually having this debate with some of my friends. I go with some of his intangibles and playing. I don't think he could ever be a Brett Favre, Aaron Rodgers, where he is the best quarterback for at least a year in his career or a top five quarterback for his career. But I think I wouldn't be surprised that down the road in two, three years, if if uh, Love could be a top 10 if he really hit. Yeah. For me, if a guy that had no preseason last year had to sit in a tracksuit and stare at Aaron Rodgers and Tim Boyle be the one and the two, obviously, Jordan Love looked pretty damn good for a guy that was robbed of everything last year and then thrown into the fire this year to be the quarterback, the backup quarterback for the Green Bay Packers. I thought Love, there was a lot of really good life moving forward, so I voted, I want to see where this leads in the Twitter poll. I just don't understand that when you look at the Twitter poll, how... Wasted summer is second? Anyone could say wasted summer. Maybe because he didn't play with a shoulder injury, but like... He played two out of three games. What were you going to do? He had a shoulder injury. Like, I could... I don't really see I'm head over heels just because the... the, Some people voted there, though. I, I get that, but that would be like... Ones that I would vote, it would be see where this bleeds. That's that's easy the one for me. Yeah. I if mean, I had to vote for one. anything else, it would be ready for a new fling because I would be under the impression that Aaron Rodgers is going to be my quarterback for the future and we're going to sure. work something out. I'm not head over heels and it's not a wasted summer. But three would have to be head over heels because I think Jordan Love played way better than I was even expecting to play. And then last would have to be wasted I don't summer. Know how because it was a wasted summer? You just shown that I think you have at least a quarterback that's a backup that could maybe win you a game here yeah. and there, which the Packers haven't had when Rodgers has gotten hurt. And two, it was the first time he's ever played, and yeah. he had a, an injury. He got you two out of three games. I don't know how it can be a wasted yeah. summer. Aaron Ashby uh, yesterday for the Milwaukee Brewers, five innings of work. He uh, gave up, what, three hits, two earned runs, struck out four. 
uh, ERA right now at 3.95. Finally had like a, a kind of a normal a normal start, I would say. And then Council after the game is talking about throwing Ashby in the playoffs. Is Aaron Ashby, who got his first win yesterday, is he a guy that you could see coming into this you know rotation and doing it for the Brewers in the playoffs? Well, I think right now if, uh, you throw out those first two starts. The first start was his Major League debut. It was against the Cubs, who the Cubs – on paper had a good roster going into this season. Now they didn't perform that way. And then when they were about a 500 club at the all-star break, they decided to sell. Mm -hmm. So they sold off a lot of players post that start, but he gave up in two thirds of an inning, seven runs, four of them earned. And it was a shaky start, but this was a guy that in spring training over the last two years had turned some heads as a guy that was really young. I mean, he's 23 now in his first start, he was or his first spring, he was 22. I see. Ditched the uh, the goggles too. Yeah, and he was a guy that showed a lot of promise, especially with some of his pitches and, and his arm talent. And he's a top 10 prospect, and yada yada yada. But after that first start, he had a second start, which he gets a rain delay. Yeah, and he only got to throw two innings. Yep. And then I think the third start, he threw three innings and he got pulled out by Craig Council after like 50 pitches. Because wasn't Hauser coming? Was it Hauser came back? Yeah, someone someone was coming back and they're like, oh, we want to get him some work. But they didn't didn't want the other pitcher that was coming back to uh, throw more than 50 pitches. So they're almost going to split them like 50 and 50. (laughs) And so he didn't get a legit start. And then it it took till like his fourth start to really get in the real groove of of a normal start, and he's pitched well. I think right now, if Brett Anderson is going to pull every single muscle is, connected is from his, Mr. Glass from his foot to his hip, what is wrong with that uh, guy? Right now, he he he's got is some he, good stuff. Is he is Anderson made of paper mache? Like what is going on with that man? Yes, that's why he was a perfect signing for the Brewers in 2020 because. 62 games is all the Brewers played last year. <laughs> like, like what do you can if he gets under like 10 starts under his belly just falls apart. But I mean, uh, stuff-wise, Ashby's right there. If you look at pure stuff, the stuff. And we're going to talk stuff with the Brewers yeah. coming up. If you look at pure stuff, the only three that you can put him behind, got to have stuff. is your top 3 horses and maybe Hauser. Got to have stuff. I mean, he's he's got better velocity and and wipeout stuff than Eric Lauer. Got to have even a little bit of junk in the trunk. Eric know? Lauer is serviceable. Same thing with uh, Brett Anderson. So would it make sense if they start him or use him out of the bullpen? 100%. Look at what they've done with Woody in the past. Yeah. He was a guy that was used out of the bullpen yeah. for most of that 2018 season. Corbin Burns he was used in the bullpen in 2018. Yep. We've seen Freddie Peralta out of the bullpen in 2018. Yep. Would I be surprised at all if the Brewers used him out of the bullpen? No. Let's hear from Craig Council. He talks about uh, Ashby. Find a spot for him, even if he's not a starter. Well, I, I think we're going to find a spot for him to pitch. You know, whether it doesn't matter where it is, in, in my opinion. You know, just get outs. I think we're going to find a spot for him to get outs in the game. And um, whether it's starting and relieving, he's done both. And I think he's capable of doing both. And, Get out to the high level. Then we're going to find a spot for you to pitch. Yes, the the outgetter. What was Craig doing yesterday? Listen to new Kanye West album, Donda. I heard some beats in the background. Well, also don't forget with Ashby when he turned some heads the last couple springs, they were getting him ready. Because if you remember, he first started because uh, spring training started a month later than it normally does. Mm-hmm. When they first started, he was a starting pitcher. But then by June, when the Brewers were talking about, oh, we could possibly use this kid later, they started. Uh, throwing him out of the bullpen to get him used to that because they thought that would be the role. But then when they decided in June to go to that six-man rotation because they knew they had the depth, 
they went back to having him be a starting pitcher in the minor league. So he was kind of a starter reliever starter so far this year. So yeah, I wouldn't be surprised that, that he's already had a little taste of that in the minor taste. leagues. Now, granted he's had more success starting than he did out of uh, the bullpen, but that was the first time he's ever come out of the bullpen. Yeah. Speaking of arms, rowdy Milwaukee Brewers back at it tonight, eight 45 first pitch. Yeah. PM central time. Against the Giants. Right, you were um, talking off air a little bit to me about when it comes to the Brewers pitching staff and pitches, like certain pitches, and the Brewers own a certain uh, amount of, in the top 50 of unique, what, what, what was the correct verbiage on it, Rowdy? Yeah, so they were the top pitches in baseball That's for stat cast for pitch values. So it's like the most valuable pitches, obviously the most effective pitches in baseball. Yeah. And it's wild because the Milwaukee Brewers own eight of the most effective, valuable pitches in baseball. Eight out of the top 50. And when I read you off where they are, the player that it is, what their rank is, and then that pitch. Yeah. I think you can easily understand why this pitching staff in general is just as good as it's been. So coming in number uh, number one on the Brewer list, but number two overall, Freddie Peralta and his four-seamer. Ooh, fastball now, Freddie. <laughs> obviously, we know fastball Freddie got the nickname fastball Freddie because when he was first called up as a young kid, all he literally had was that fastball. Oh, yeah. And for about a year, he got away with it. So that's the second best pitch in baseball is Freddie Feralta's four-seam fastball. And that thing is a beauty. The fifth best pitch in Major League Baseball is Corbin Burns' cutter. Which, didn't he go to the pitching lab and then he like embraced his cutter when Burns was in the pitching lab to like really lean into this pitch? Yes, that is the one that he really, like you said, worked on in that lab post-2019. Yeah, and that's what kind of his rejuvenation was. Now, number eight pitch in baseball... Adrian Hauser's sinker. See, I would have not have thought Adrian Hauser would be up there, but his sinker is uh, lethal. Number 10, Devin Williams' airbender changeup. That thing is nasty. And then if you if you extend that out to the top 50, Woodruff's sinker and his four-seam fastball are also in that top 50. Boxberger's uh, fastball also in that top 50. And Josh Hader's fastball also in that top 50. Mm. So you have eight out of the top 50 best pitches in baseball. And I think the thing that's even like more interesting is the fact that those top eight pitches are between Freddie Peralta, Corbin Burns, Adrian Hauser, Devin Williams, Josh Hader, Brandon Woodruff, and Brad Boxberger. That's seven pitchers out of those eight pitches. That just shows you that not only do the the Brewers have a lot of good pitchers, but they all have good pitches that are some of the best in baseball, and it makes sense then all of a sudden you have one of the best pitching staffs. Yeah, so after the game yesterday when the Brewers you know, salvaged a win in that series against the Twins, Aaron Ashby, or Craig Council, was talking about Aaron Ashby, the rookie pitcher, saying that they're going to use him in the playoffs. I don't know if it's going to be a starter, if it's going to be out of the pen or whatever. Uh, Papa Pick on Twitch says, Rowdy, do you think Aaron Ashby is a left-handed Corbin Burns? Because that's what I think he can be to the next one to two years without injuries. And he says the Brewers, in my opinion, could have four aces. 
<laughs> no, I think Ashby can Woo! be good because when you look at his stuff, he's a guy that throws four pitches and he throws at least two of them are well above average and that third one's sitting average and then the curveball doesn't use a ton. Now, I was I was higher on Corbin Burns than a lot of people. And I was I've been high on Corbin Burns since they drafted him. Now that that might have waned a little bit when uh he had that rocky 2019. Yeah. But uh I was always a Corbin Burns guy. Could he be a left-handed Corbin Burns? I think he could be close. I don't know if he's quite he, as he good as Corbin his own Burns man. and if his stuff is quite as good as Corbin Burns was even prior to that cutter, but I think he could be if he reached his ceiling, I think it could be pretty close. Man. And Brutal you talk four aces. Yeah, you talk about having all of those guys talk dirty to me. Well, even if you if you think about it, if you have Woodruff, Peralta, Burns, Hauser, and you have Ashby and Lauer, they're all under contract through 2024. Yeah, it's insane. Now I think this basically, and then it doesn't help when your ankle, calf, hip, knee, head, shoulders, knees, and toes, knees quad, and toes, hamstring of Brett Anderson, labia, are always hurt. But yes, I don't think he'll be around, and I think easily if they want to stick with that six-man rotation next year, Ashby in, Anderson out. But uh, real quick here with the Brewers, the Friday and Saturday's games were so frustrating because the Twins are not a good team, and if you look at the scorecards afterwards... The MLB umpire scorecards? Major League Baseball umpires favored the Twins by nearly two and a half runs in those first two games. It wasn't good. Of favor. And then guess what happened? In game three on Sunday, the Brewers won. They won convincingly. You never really felt like the game was in doubt. There was only 0.15% of runs in favor. But on that Friday night game in which it was, it was a basically half. a Josh Donaldson home run was the difference in the first inning, it was nearly one and a half yeah. runs. Yeah, that's brutal. And then on Saturday, in which they lost a close game as well, it was nearly one full run of favor towards who got, the Twins. Who got tossed before the game even started when they handed the lineup card in? Pat Murphy, yeah, the Pat bench Murphy. coach. Yeah, he got tossed. He had to have said something to the ump. He's about like, yeah. Friday's game. He said, hey, ump, eat my ass. And then he got tossed. And not only did they I don't know have if he said that. I made that up. <laughs> nearly two and a half runs of favor in those first two games. But also, out of the six worst pitches that were most detrimental to the squads, of course, five of them went against the Brewers. Of course. Of course. Brewers, though, still reign supreme, baby. Eight and a half games atop of the Reds for the NL Central. Tonight, 845 first pitch against top of the NL West, Giants.